John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And I'm so thankful that he saved me. You know, I was thinking last night, I was up here singing, I stand redeemed. You know, I stand redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. It's his blood that bought me. He saved me from a pit of hell. And I'm so thankful that I don't have to go to hell because he died on a cross for me. I want you to listen to the message in this song. It's called, It's Still the Cross. You know, there's still people out there that are dying daily, and they're going to hell. And I remember last night when he was up here preaching, he said, he said, I hope you never, never lose the joy of seeing a soul saved. And you know, I'm so thankful that the cross is still saving souls, that Jesus Christ is still saving souls today. Listen to this song. It's not conservative or liberal, however they're defined. It's not about interpretation or the judgment of the mind. It's the opposite of politics, power, or prestige. 
It's about a simple message. And whether we believe, it's still the cross, still the blood of Calvary that cleanses sin and sets the captive free. It's still the name, the name of Jesus that has can water down theology and preach the word to suit our needs. We can justify sweet subtle lies that are wrapped in noble deeds. We can alter our convictions to adapt to social whims. But we cannot change the gospel, all the truth contained within. It's still the cross, still the blood of Calvary that cleanses sin and sets the captive free. It's still the
still the cross. Praise the Lord for that. Praise the Lord for things that don't change down through the years. Normally I don't say anything, but I have something on my heart that I'd like to say tonight. It seems like in this today's society, we've been taught that it's hard for a man to say, I love you. Well, I thank the Lord that I, that I haven't had that problem throughout my life. I grew up over here on Salem Road. And I was thinking today, from the time I was 11 years old on up until the time I left home, I never went to sleep at night without my mother saying, after the lights was turned out, you could hear it through the house. Good night. I love you. And that's a wonderful thought to have in your mind when you're trying to go to sleep. I love you. I carried that on over into my own marriage. And I don't remember a night that Jane and myself have gone to sleep without saying, I love you. And now, our grandchildren are doing the same thing. They're not afraid to say it. Grandpa, I love you. It still rings through the house. But even before that, long before that, long years and years and years ago before that, there was one that hung on the cross. And with his life, he said, I love you. And he still loves you today. Praise his holy name.
Savior gave and he gave his life as a final prize. Now I cherish the tree where I found the victory.
tonight. Let's all stand tonight as the choir is coming down. Our time to get out and shake hands and welcome everyone tonight. Aren't you glad for Calvary? Gives us something to look forward to, something to look back to, and something to live every day. Calvary. Let's get out and shake hands tonight. Make everyone feel welcome tonight. me let's do that now oh Was it for? 
You may be seated. Song written by. Song written by Louisa Stead. She and her husband and her children went out to the lake one day for an outing, and they heard cries off in the distance. Someone was drowning. Without thinking anything about it, her husband jumped in, went out, tried to save the young man. And because of his struggling, they both drowned. And she went home and wrote the hymn that we sing all the time. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him, how I've proved him over and over. Jesus, Jesus, my precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust him more. All the messages this week, and we got a head start Saturday night up at uh, uh, Brother David's church with Brother Hurt. And every message every night has been just speaking to my heart about the Lord and trusting him more and going back to the place where he saved me. And it should be our prayer as Christians as his children every day to say, as this song says, I've never really trusted you, Lord, like I'm going to do right now. But I'm giving you 
And I've never really trusted you like I'm gonna do right now. My lips have made you promises that pride could never keep. And all my good intentions gave up hope and found defeat. But now I've seen that faith can live inside a heart that's filled with doubt. And I've never really trusted you like I'm gonna do right now. I'm giving you everything, all my hopes and dreams. It's gonna take courage to surrender the things I cannot change. But I'm giving you the battle, Lord, I lay my weapons down, and I've never really trusted you like I'm going to do right now. I'm giving you everything. gonna take courage to surrender the things I cannot change but I'm giving you the battle Lord I lay my weapons down and I never sweet service we've had thus far. Amen. My heart's been ministered to tonight. I know you folks love the Word of God, and I know you love Brother Hurt because he preaches the book to us, and that's why I love this dear man of God, and I am so thrilled that the Lord allows him to be with us each year. He's going to come for the final night of the meeting, but I assure you revival's not over, and it doesn't end when Brother Hurt leaves. Thank the Lord, revival fire is going to keep on burning in our heart. Amen. Amen? Yeah, some of you, four of you got revival anyway, amen. 
But uh, once again, let's welcome Brother Hurt to the service. Praise the Lord. We're in the Psalms tonight, and then we're looking at Psalm 65 for a text. And then I'm going to read out of the Gospel of Luke this evening, chapter 18. I made reference to this scripture last night. I want to read this parable this evening. Luke 18, if you'll turn there first, and then we'll go to the Psalms. And that's Psalm number 65, one verse there. Luke's Gospel, the 18th chapter, the book of Psalms, chapter number 65. I don't have words this evening to adequately say what this <clears throat> service has meant to my needy heart. And I say that sincerely. The Lord has <clears throat> spoken at my point of need tonight and just refreshed me and encouraged me and reminded me. And I said to the preacher a moment ago, and let me say to the entire church, I said, I, I haven't been in a meeting I can't think of where I have enjoyed the, the presence and the reality and the power and blessing of God as I have this week in your music and the liberty that he's given in the meeting. I want to say that to praise him, and I want to say it to commend you tonight. The Lord's presence is in this place in a wonderful way. And we're grateful that God has permitted us again to meet together. And he's been, uh, well, he's just <clears throat> been pleased to give us the sense of his presence as he has. I'm going <clears> to <throat> share something that, to be honest, I, I felt a little bit... Uh, Restraint in my spirit this afternoon. I, I thought I was going a different direction. And when the Lord <clears throat> made clear my time with him in uh, the last couple hours or so before coming here, made clear in my own heart what he wanted tonight, I almost wanted to say to him, Lord, I, uh, I had something else in mind. And uh, he seemed to say to me, go ahead. <laughs> Your own, your own. <laughs> and I've been there. And, uh, but uh, my reasoning, I guess, for a little hesitation was uh, normally tonight's service is one that, uh, as a rule in a series of meetings, I, I open up with. He sort of lets me come in a little different direction than last night. But I'm not questioning him. I'm aware that he has brought my attention to something that, uh, and uh, I'll just uh, touch some of the high points of it tonight. I'm not going to go into much detail. But uh, <clears throat> something that uh, he'd been, well, regularly he says to, speaks to my needy heart with this truth. Our Lord is giving one of his parables in Luke 18, and, and some of his parables are not that easily and quickly understood, and that's the reason. That was why he gave a parable. He, he's sort of hiding the truth so it won't be so obvious. So people would have to give some thought, search it out. 
But he so wants us to get a hold of what he has to say here. One old-timer, a Puritan that I've read for 30 years, he says about this, he says the Lord uh, hung the key on the front door so you could get a hold of it quickly and unlock the truth of this. He tells us why he gave the parable before giving it. Verse 1 of chapter 18, the Gospel of Luke, he spake a parable to them to this end. For this purpose, really. This is the goal he has in mind. Men ought always to pray and not to faint. See, and there was in a city a judge which feared not God, neither regarded man. There was a widow in that city, and she came to him saying, Avenge me and mine adversary. He would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, Though I fear not God, nor regard man, yet because this widow troubleth me, I'll avenge her, lest for her continual coming she weary me. And the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge saith. And shall not God avenge his own elect, which cried day and night unto him, though he bear long with them? I tell you that he'll avenge them speedily. Now, don't miss his question here. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth? Now, that's what I'll refer to a little later. Uh, in my understanding, this is the, the essence of what he's talking about. This is what he's really trying to get us to see, what he's saying about this urgent business of prayer, how we receive him. These dear uh, men a moment ago had no way of knowing what I'm talking about when they were reminding us of trusting him. And uh, this is what, as the Lord leads us, we'll close about in a few minutes, coming back here. But our text verse will get us into what I want to talk about. Over in the Psalms tonight, if you have a copy of the Scripture and would turn to Psalm number 65, <clears throat> and uh, verse number 2 of this psalm, O thou that hearest prayer, God is known by the grand and noble title of the one who hears prayer. It's a reference to himself personally. Thou that hearest prayer unto thee shall all flesh come. I want to introduce what I'm talking about tonight by sharing with you a question that was the last night, the fifth night of the conference. And uh, I've spoken, in fact, I spoke three mornings on prayer, at least uh, related to the theme, but came each night and just took a text and brought a message to that group of God's people on the subject of prayer. And I made reference to this verse more than once and tried to emphasize that God's gone on record in the Bible uh, to get us to realize that he is the God who hears prayer. Call unto me and I'll answer thee. Show you great and mighty things that you know not. Ask, seek, knock, he says, 
Ask and you'll receive. Seek and you'll find. Knock and I'll open the door for you. Oh, how God urges, invites, encourages us. Stop to realize that he is a prayer hearing and answering God. And a dear man on the last night wanted to speak with me. He said, I almost walked out on you tonight. I didn't want to be so rude to get up and walk out. But he said, uh, I got a question for you. You kept emphasizing this week that he hears prayer. He said, why didn't he hear my prayer? He said that with emotion in his voice. He said that with tears welling up in his eyes. He said, I prayed, but this time he's getting emotional, and he said, God knows I prayed. I asked, I sought, I knocked, but said he didn't answer me. And he said, when you kept emphasizing tonight, he hears prayer. I almost wanted to stand up and said, I, I don't believe it. And I realized immediately that I'm speaking with a person that's, to say the least, is in the midst of a terrible struggle. And the Spirit of God seemed to say to my needy heart, you, you be patient with him. He, he has a real problem at this point. I encouraged him to sit down and let's talk about it. To be honest with you, my heart went out to that dear man as he opened his heart to me. And I'm not going to go in detail. That'd be beside my point tonight. But a man that was misguided, to say the least, in the Scriptures, knew little about the subject that's before us tonight. But in a moment of desperation and overwhelming sense of need, someone had told him, all you got to do is just pray. And if you'll pray sincerely, God will do that for you. And uh, no question about whether it's the will of God, no, uh, no thought about whether or not he's in the perimeters, you know, of the framework that God uh, has committed himself to us to answer prayer. Just gone to God and cried and begged and fasted and lost sleep and he said, it happened as if I never prayed. And he's bitter. He's a man that, to say the least, endured those services, hearing somebody stand up and repeatedly uh, encourage the people of God to say, call unto me and I'll answer you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and it'll be opened. Ask and you'll receive. He's the prayer here in God, the prayer answer in God. But his question was, why didn't he hear my prayer? We talked for a little bit. I, with the help of the Lord, we opened some scriptures, and I can still, I sat there and thought about it a moment ago, I can still sense what I sensed is, I sensed the Lord beginning to, take the word and sort of shine a little light on his uh, misunderstanding. And uh, 
he began to realize then that maybe he hadn't had the right to be that bold about something that uh, wasn't in the will of God, something he couldn't demand, something that, you know, instead of coming and praying according to the Scripture and praying submissively and humbly as a servant to the sovereign, he'd been taught by a group that he's influenced with, uh, I call it the name it and claim it, almost ordering God around and dictating to God. But his question was, why didn't he answer my prayer? And I said to him, you've really, uh, you've asked really a question that a lot of God's people from time to time have on their mind. You've asked a question that, if we're honest, uh, I would say every person in this room that's ever been serious about becoming a person of prayer, the question, whether you verbalized it or not, it's been in your mind, why didn't he answer my prayer? I want to try to answer the man's question. I did then. I, he, it provoked me to take that theme, that subject, and just go to the Bible and try to find what God's Word says in response when we have a question, why didn't he answer my prayer? What, uh, what's this business of unanswered prayer? How do we respond to it if we're going to be a people of prayer and we're going to preach as the Bible teaches that God hears and answers prayer and then when, as he put it, it didn't work for him, what is the biblical answer? I know of a church that Oh, they had revival. Uh, I had the privilege, and I wasn't, I wasn't there as a preacher. I, I went there. Uh, I was in the area. I mean, they impacted on it. You couldn't believe the difference it made. And it made a difference around there for a long time. And then it leveled off, and more than leveling off, uh, is someone that knew about it said probably they, they've regressed, and they're back further than they were before the revival. And then sometimes after that, they had another refreshing, as the pastor put it. And oh, as far as I know, it still lasts in that area. I had the privilege of visiting with the pastor. And uh, I wasn't, you know, uh, I, I didn't want to be impolite and just ask him personal questions, but uh, we, we got on the subject. I told him, I said, I, I know about the, and I made reference to the, uh, the revival that it had. And he said, oh, my but then his voice took on some emotion, and uh, you could tell it was something that, oh, that he going through when they lost, as he put it, when you have experienced the refreshing of God, and then you have lost that. He said, dry, dry we became. But he said, God has graciously paid us a visitation. And, and this has been a few years back, because it goes way back. I, uh, I, I'd have stopped and count, but it had been 20-some years about the first revival, and then it went on a while, and then this one has been at least 10 when I talked to him. And uh, you know what he said to me? He said, Preacher, our access to him got blocked, and we had to clear the way in order to pray. And he said it was costly. But when we cleared the way so we could pray, he pointed over to intercessory prayer ministry. Got a building now separate from the auditorium. 
It's large facilities around there. And he said, somebody's in there all of the time. Cars. He said, those cars, there are people in there praying. This was an afternoon. He said, they pray over all the time. And said, uh, sometimes they ask me what, you know, is there, a, is there a specific reason? And he says, one word, prayer. God is answering prayer. And he's pouring out his blessings on this place. But what really got to me when he said, we lost it. Dry, dry. Dead spiritually. He said, business as usual. Oh, he said, no, we wasn't even, it wasn't even up to that par. But said, then we had to clear the way. Now, he didn't go into any detail. But that just fastened into my thinking. We had to clear the way so we could pray. Well, what are some of the things that gets in the way? I'm not talking now collectively, corporately as the body. I, I'm talking now personally because, you see, the corporate body tonight is no stronger, really, than the individuals in the body. I mean, if we have a church that has the power of God on it, it's because individuals in that, in that body, personally, individually, begins to get a hunger and get the power of God. If there's a praying church and the power of God falling on the church, that's because not just, the, you know, the church is a praying church, the church is made up of individuals. So I'm talking to us personally tonight, and with the, the brother's question in mind, what in the answer my prayer? Could I ask you to think with me tonight if it appears sometimes the prayer's not getting through? Uh, let me just put it like this. There's five comments I'm going to make, five suggestions, just simple as they can be. And I'm not going to go into any detail. I don't need to. I just simply mention them. And uh, I'm going to do it in a way that if, if it appears that I'm calling to this one who tells me he's a prayer hearing God, and yet he's not hearing me in the sense that he's responding, oh, it's time for me to start checking up. And uh, five areas that I suggest we ought to give some attention to. And first one is this. I ought to look into my heart and see if I'm right with God. The very next chapter in this, in this book, the 66th chapter in the 18th verse, the psalmist says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Isaiah 59, 1 and 2 he says, the Lord's hand's not shortened. That's an expression, hand and arm in the Bible for God means his energy, his power. God says, I haven't limited my power. My arm's not shortened. My ear's not heavy. I haven't plugged up my ears. And then he comes right back to his people, says, your sins has hid his face from you. Oh, I tell you, when I look into my heart, if there's something there that I know is not right, if there's sin there that's unconfessed, sin there that's not been repented over, oh, I can excuse it, alibi, call it some other name. Make any difference if I change the label? It's still the same thing. And when I look into my heart, as the psalmist says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. See, God gives reasons for answering some prayers and then for refusing others. 
And there's some prayers God's already said, if you're praying that prayer, I've gone on record to say, no, I'm not going to answer that. Uh, if I'm regarding iniquity, cry all I want to. But God says, no, I don't hear that kind of prayer. So I ought to look into my heart and see if I'm right with God. Then there's a second suggestion I make. I ought to look into my attitude and see if I'm right with other people. In the book of Mark chapter 11, Jesus is speaking, talking about prayer. It says, when you stand praying, forgive if you have ought against any. Listen, he says, then your Father also which is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive... Neither will your Father which is in heaven forgive your trespasses. I've suggested I ought to look in my heart if prayer is not being answered and see if I'm personally right with God. Just a different, uh, different take on the same truth, but the reason I want to word it differently is because it's set forth differently in the Scripture, and so I ought to look into my attitude and see if I'm right with other people. Is anyone tonight you're thinking of that you're not right with? Maybe you're walking in broken fellowship with? You can't be right this way with the Father if you're wrong with any of the Father's children. I mean, it's as simple as that. I was influenced by a man of God 36, 37 years ago. 36 years ago, he went to be with the Lord. You've heard me talk about him the first two years of my Christian life. He, he's personal friends, worked with men like Dr. Tozer and, and, and Ironside. He knew Dr. Ironside and, and all many of the people that I read about. He worked with them, knew them. He was in the same group with Dr. Tozer and them. Oh, what influence. He, he used to point up like this, and he'd say, you can't be right this way if you're wrong this way. A lot of us is wanting God to smile on us and wanting God and longing. At least that's what we're saying, for God to pour out his power on us, and we have ill will and bitterness and unforgiveness oh, in our spirit and in our attitude towards someone. God says, no, no, I can't. Uh, I can't smile on you if there's someone you're in broken fellowship with. That's the gospel of Mark chapter 11, verse 25. You'd find it again in the, in, in the gospel of Matthew. And our Lord in chapter 5, and he, he talks about coming to the altar and you're bringing your gift to the altar. That would be in our economy today an expression, you've come to worship. And there you remember somebody's got all against you. Here, he says, it's the other side of the coin. I have ought against them. The word ought there means you have something. You have anything, something wrong. You have something against someone. He says, you, you can't be right with me until you, until you right that wrong. Or you remember someone is wrong towards you. And the implication is, if someone's wrong toward me, I've caused that. I've caused the offense. I've offended, and yet I haven't attempted to do anything about it. I've never read revival uh, anywhere unless you find where revivals have broke out. And, and you'll find this. There's always a quality. You'll have people start getting right with each other. Now, that is a result of revival, but it's a, it, it's a prerequisite also. Uh, God begins to move when people are hungry and honest enough before God to say, Lord, as I look in my heart, I want to be right with you. When I look into my attitude, I want to be right with other people. Then there's a third suggestion. If I'm praying, and, and apparently he's not answering, not listening, and not only should I look into my heart and see if I'm right with God, into my attitude, see if I'm right with other people, 
then I ought to look into my relationship at home. 1 Peter chapter number 3 and verse number 7 is a very insightful verse here. The last part of verse 7 of uh, 1 Peter 3 says that your prayers be not hindered. Well, we're talking about what hinders God answering prayer tonight. We're talking about why, Lord, didn't you answer my prayer? Why didn't you send revival to our place, God? Lord, why didn't you meet that need? And I've already said, if it appears God's not listening, we ought to look in our hearts, see if we're right with God, look in our attitudes, see if we're right with other people. And here, I ought to look into my relationship with my companion. 1 Peter 3, verses 1 through 7, he's talking about the home life. For six verses, he has a word for the wives. In the seventh verse, he has a word to the husbands. And uh, the weightier matter here is on the husband, not the wife. He says, likewise, you husbands dwell with them, that is, the wife, according to knowledge, giving honor to the wife is unto the weaker vessel, being heirs together of the grace of life. And here it is, that your prayers be not hindered. Oh, how subtle the devil is. Oh, I'm not talking about the roaring lions and infidelity now. I'm not, of course, that would keep you from getting the prayer answered. You commit the scarlet sin of adultery and unfaithfulness on your companion. Oh, yes. No, I'm talking about that now. I'm talking about those little foxes the Bible talks about that likes to bring about some irritation, frustration. Oh, you see, if everything's not all right between the husband and wife, God says, now it's of interest to me here. He didn't say they'd never be, he says your prayers will be hindered. More literally, they'll be slow getting through. He doesn't say here, I never answer, but said if things is not right there, if you let me paraphrase it, if things are not right between the husband and the wife, oh, he said, you, you can't get that prayer through quickly, readily. You ever noticed it's kind of difficult to have a red-hot prayer meeting right after a fuss? <laughs> Am I the only one knows anything about that? <laughs> oh, see the devil, the flesh. Sometimes we probably don't even have to have the devil to help us. Amen. It's that old old nature of ours. Get us in such a frame of mind. And sometimes, you know, we've had a the friction and the fuss. And I mean, it lasts all the way to church, and we start putting on a smile by the time we get to church. Oh, the devil, he's so, he's so subtle. We wouldn't, have a, we wouldn't have a carnal nature if it were not for him. I was in a meeting, and one of doc, the late Dr. Rice, this goes back a few years, uh, daughter, was, they were, her husband was on the staff of that church, and uh, they invited me into their home. And I was telling them how Dr. Rice, 30 years ago, influenced my life, especially on the subject of prayer. And uh, told her how many times I'd read his book through on prayer. In fact, the two books in, uh, on prayer. And told her about uh, those early days especially. Uh, how many times I heard him preach on prayer. Never ever heard him preach, I don't think. They didn't preach on prayer. And uh, she was appreciative that I spoke kindly about her deceased father. And uh, she said, uh, 
Brother Hurt, you might expect me to say this, being a member of his family. She says, I think I, I may be a little biased, but she said, I'm very sincere in what I'm going to tell you. My dad was the most Christ-like person I ever met in my life. Never ever met a person more godly, more Christ-like than my dad. And she said, Daddy didn't just write books about prayer and preach sermons to preachers about prayer. She said, if you, if you could have known the commitment he had to prayer, the time that he spent in prayer, in private prayer. And she said another thing about him. She said, all of my, uh, my sisters agree with me on this. Never one time in our life did we ever hear him even have an iota of unkindness in his voice to our mother. Never ever heard him speak a word of unkindness to our mother. She said that big tears trickled. You know what God seemed to say to me? You want to know why when he'd talk about prayer, you'd hear from me through him? His home life wasn't a hindrance. And she said, after that, his home going, we said that, said, now if daddy was ever unkind to our mother, it wasn't in the presence of, of the, the girls. And she said, our mother, with a tear in her eye, said, your father was never unkind to me in your presence or out of your presence. He always treated me as a princess. And I haven't forgotten that. Oh, here's a verse. Comes right to where we live. God says if prayer is not getting through, I ought to look into my heart, see if I'm right with God, look in my attitude, and see if everything's all right toward others. Look into my home and see if I am living with my wife according to knowledge and giving honor to her. Notice that jumped out one day to me, giving honor to your wife, that your prayers be not hindered. And then there's another that we are ward to give some attention to. Two others, and I close with them. They're both in the book of James. James is one of my favorite books of the Bible. I, I love the book of James. It's such a practical book. And James just writes where we live. Dr. McGee used to say it's just sort of where the rubber meets the road, the nitty-gritty, and I like that. But James talks about this subject of prayers not being answered. If they're not getting an answer, the psalmist says, if we're regarding iniquity, that is, if you're excusing sin, taking up for it, not repenting of it, you'll just get a no if you try to talk to God. Or if you got aught in your heart against somebody, or you aware that someone's got aught against you because you caused it, and you're not willing to right that wrong. God said, no, no, you just closed heaven on you. I won't smile on you until you can get that right with that person you're wrong with. Or in your home life, if you're in a marital relationship, when there's marital discord, God says, no, no, you've got you to gotta get that right. And, and let me say it again, the burden of that text is on us men, not the wives. When he comes to, the, comes to the essence of it, he doesn't put that burden on the wife so much as he does us and said, listen, husbands, listen, men, you dwell with them accordingly. You get to know your wife and you give honor to her that you don't hinder your praying. But then James, he picks this up and he talks to some people that's praying, but they're not getting an answer. And that's chapter 4. In verse number 3, he says, you ask. That's a form of prayer. 
You ask and receive not. That's what we're talking about tonight. Lord, why didn't you answer my prayer? Well, James is going to tell us here there could be a reason right here. One of the reasons it could be, uh, as I looked in my heart, I found unconfessed sin or, or an unforgiven spirit towards someone or into my home. The, uh, it's not right there. Or James says here, notice what he has to say about it. He says, you ask, this is James 4, 3, and receive not because you ask amiss. Now, we may not get a hold of that quickly, that word amiss. That's not in our vocabulary in our day. Uh, let me suggest what he said. You ask wrongly. You're wrong in your asking. What you're asking for, it's not, uh, it's not appropriate. It's not proper. It's not the thing you're to ask for. So he said, you ask amiss. That is, you're asking wrongly. And James says that their focus was to consume it upon their own lusts, uh, their own selfish desires. Wasn't for the will of God and the glory of God. And so what should I do? I've said I ought to look in my heart, see if I'm right with God, look in my attitude, see if I'm right with you, look in my home, see if I'm right with my companion. Then I ought to look into the, my reason for asking. Why do I want God to answer that prayer? Oh, this is where we got up to the, the man began to say to me. He didn't know that bottom line of praying as I preached Saturday night and some of you were there as I preached on where Jesus said, not my will but thine be done. That's bottom line. See, prayer is not a means God gave to us where we get our will done in heaven. Some of us act as if, and sometimes in our praying, as if, you know, we dictate to God. No, no. Prayer is a means whereby God gets His will done on this earth. And when His will is being done on this earth, His work will be done on this earth. And prayer is the means. Prayer is that which He's given to us that brings Him into our situation. But it has to be according to His will for His glory. See, the will of God and the glory of God and the name of Jesus is all interrelated and all in essence means the same thing. When you're praying in Jesus' name, that don't mean we tack on the end of our prayer and just say in his name. You could, you could say that at the end of your prayer, but it may not be in his name. To pray in his name is for his acclaim, his honor, his glory, something that he'll endorse, something he's for. And of course, to, uh, to know what it is, you have to know his word. We have to know his will about prayer. And James is saying to a group of people, you've been asking, but you didn't receive. You're wrong in your asking. Your, your, your motivation is wrong. You're wanting to consume it up on your life. Something you want. You never ask a question whether it's God's will or not. You never ask whether it's God's glory or not. So let me throw you a curve. You've got a hunger for revival, and I, and I commend you. Oh, I, I said to someone on the phone today, and I, I bragged on you. So let me throw you a curve. Don't, don't let me dampen that, that thirst and hunger. But did you know, listen, did you know you can have a hunger for revival and not get it because your motive could be wrong? Well, there's places that Charles Finney, a great revivalist of history, he said, I've seen God take his hand off of many places after they began to hunger and thirst and pay the price, and, and they got God's touch in revival, and then they started taking credit for it, and they began to get braggadocious. And he says, God says, I share... I'll not share my glory with any. Oh, see, somebody says, well, I'm praying for healing. I think that's a legitimate request. Well, God does heal. You say, yes, I believe that. 
Well, let me raise a question. Why do you want God to heal you? God gives you back your health. Is your health going to be devoted to him? And says, I got a financial problem. Well, that's a legitimate request. That concerns God. He says you can pray about all things, but let's put the motivation there. If he helps you financially, is your finances glorifying God? Are we honoring him already with that which belongs to him? See, we begin to look into our reason for asking. This is, oh, this is my understanding. This, this becomes the essence of prayer. Why do I want God to do what I'm asking him to do? Is it for his glory, or am I wanting to just consume it up on my own lust, as, as the Scripture says here, my own selfish desires? Somebody said, Brother Hurts, is it wrong to pray? No, it's not wrong to pray a personal prayer. Jesus taught us to pray, forgive us, and Jesus taught us to pray, give us this day our daily bread. Personal needs, surely we can't be an intercessor until we get our personal needs met. Intercessory prayer comes after that. But selfish praying is different than personal praying. Selfish praying is when ego's on the throne. Boy, I want this to promote Wilbur Hurt. I want this to be noticed. I want this so I can toot my horn. I want this so somebody can speak well of me. And the Lord says, no, no, you, you, you don't have my interest in mine. You're not talking about my glory. You're not wanting to promote to the glory of God and honor the Lord Jesus thinking of a person. I know, that, I know it in detail, and I won't, go in, I won't go into detail other than just, he said to a pastor, he said to, in the pastor study on a, on a Saturday afternoon, he said, my business is sinking. He's in tears. And he said, if God doesn't rescue it, I, I'm gone. He said, pastor, I, God's burdened me to come over here and ask you, would, would you kneel here in the study and pray with me? And they did. And the pastor says, the moment I knelt there, God put a restraint in my spirit and or even a rebuke in my heart and said, no, no, don't you ask me to, rec to rescue his business here in his presence. Though not audibly. He said, I knew God said that. Don't you pray that. I'm not going to let you pray that within liberty. And God seemed to say to him, I'm, I'm trying to get his attention. There's a time he loved me. There's a time he is close to me. And that thing has taken my place. And the pastor said, Brother, I, oh, I hope this don't embarrass you. I, I'm, I'm embarrassed to say this to you, but God's not going to let me pray till I ask you a question. And here's the question that God's wanting me to ask you. If he rescues that business, he's wanting to know, what are you going to do with it? I know, I know this in detail. The businessman said, oh my, God's got a hold to me. And he said to the pastor, let me, let me rephrase my request. Pastor, would you ask God to give me back my joy, my closeness with him? And if he wants the business to sink, let her go. I want to get right with God more than anything else. Well, that goes back a few years. He worked with me when I was a pastor. He's, he's a worship leader, as they refer to him. He'd lead our music. He's such a dear, close friend. He, he and his wife, they, they, they took my wife and I out for a meal just, well, 
it was last fall, and uh, they live on a large lake. If you think about uh, Indianapolis, if, if you live in the Carmel area, you, you've moved up some. Their home's up on that lake. Reggie Miller, a ball player with the Pacers, his home's two doors down there and they, in those kind of houses. But he's such a humble Christian. We met him at a restaurant on the lake. They have a large, beautiful boat. They didn't drive. They came in the boat and came around and down here in Docton came to the restaurant and then wanted to take, take us for a ride afterwards. <laughs> Got in that thing and my wife's up front with her and he's here and I'm way back here. <laughs> Anybody knows me, I'm a land person. I don't like up here or on the water either. <laughs> and I tell you, him just wide open, at least seemed like it. And I, I remember hauling up for a century and I said, you are right with God, aren't you? <laughs> you know, he said to me more than once, my brother is a printer. He owns Hertz Printing in Annapolis. He, he, he has a large business there. A lot of people works for him. And he does printing for this. And he said to me not long ago, uh, did you know they, they, they've been national? Just he and one other person owns that thing. Their business has been national for a while. They're even going some international. My brother knows about their business. He does all that printing for them. And he said, uh, my, my, how their business has exploded in the last 10, 12 years. He said to me in that big home as we was having some refreshments, he said, I haven't forgotten that day when I gave it all to him. And he said, he still knows it's his. He said, Brother Hertz, I used to hear you say when you preached to us, a steward owns nothing. A steward just looks after that which belongs to another. And he said, I tell him regularly, I'm sure enjoying looking after his. Amen. But said, he knows I know it's his. And though they've elevated in business, he's as humble as he can be. He and his wife in their church, they give their, they give their weekends out visiting. They're now over a senior group, and, and they go once a week with a large group of seniors and just give themselves to those dear people. And you talk to him. He, you'll hear from his heart. He found out there is a right motive. And uh, James tells us this. Well, I close with that. There's another one or two, but I don't think the Lord wants me to go to him tonight. Our heads are bowed. Where I started tonight, the Lord asked that question, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith? That's what our brethren were singing about, trusting him. I said the other night, faith is expressed in our praying. See, that's why he asked the question at the end of his prayer parable. He's saying, that woman who persevered, if you please, that woman who was persistent, she didn't lose heart. She didn't get discouraged. And that's why he gave the parable. He said we ought to pray not to faint, not to lose heart. See, there's another one there in James I didn't go to, but you may want to jot it down. It's in chapter 1, about verse 7. It said, let not that man think he receive anything from the Lord. Whoever that man is, James talking about, says he, he, don't, he shouldn't even think he's going to get a, 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 an answer to prayer. Who was that man? Double-minded, unstable in all of his ways, wasn't asking in faith. And the point is, there we need to come and, and God bless you men, when you start singing that, I said, Lord, because I'd been struggling a little bit whether or not I should share this tonight. And the Lord just confirmed in my spirit, yes, I've been talking to you.
they're bringing our attention to trust him. Oh, what he's got in store for us. What he's got in store for you as a church. I get excited just thinking about it. I spoke to someone today. Oh, I felt their heart as they talked about the ministry here. I won't embarrass them, but they're in this room tonight. And I went back to the room thinking, oh, God. Oh, there's a group of people at Temple there that's got a hunger, a thirst. God is blessing you, but, oh, there's a whole lot more blessings he wants to pour out. And when we pray, he works in answer to prayer. Our Father, thank you for what you've said to our hearts this week. Seal this truth to us. We're so glad you let us come and we can call and you've promised to hear and answer us. And Lord, would you just, I hardly know how to close, but you just, just seal this to us. May many of us look back up on this night. Lord, you've been here in a way that I haven't sensed you in a long time. What a, what a precious, precious refreshing in the music you've been in here tonight. You're here now talking to our hearts. And Lord, some of us, we've been thinking about just having a prayer life. May, may we go beyond that tonight and start meeting you regularly. Help us, Lord. I, I'm glad you're patient with us. Show us those things that were some things that needs to be corrected so we can, uh, as the dear preacher said, as he began to clear the way so they could pray. Help us to do it. Thank you again for what you've, what you've said to us and what you've been to us this week. In Jesus' name, amen.